You are listening to the Sun Grove Podcast. For more information, please visit our website at sungrove.org. Hey, 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 so glad you are here. Hopefully you're excited and ready. Have a seat. If you could go ahead and uh, take out your pen, take out the outline from your program this morning. I want you guys to know that this series is actually changing lives. Tons of people are taking the Enneagram, this personality assessment, and literally their lives are changing. And I'm hoping that you've taken it, that your life is changing. But people who are, are changing, their marriages are changing, their lives are changing. People who have no idea what Christianity is, people who have no idea who Jesus is, are taking this and they're finding that their lives are being changed. They're being introduced to Jesus through this series. So here's what I want you to do when you take the test. Take a screenshot of it, send it to your friends, send them the link, tell them to take it, get them excited and involved, and they can follow along online. Listen, here's why you need this series. Jesus said this, that the greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. And then he said the second is like it. He said you're to love your neighbor, wait for it, as yourself. It's so important for you and I to understand ourselves. And so that's why we're in a series called The Story of You. But you need to realize if you're taking notes today that the story of you only makes sense within the big story of God. The big story of God. That God has a plan. God has a plan that spans all the ages. You and I are finite. We have just a little wink of time in eternity. And what happens is you and I play a role in that. And so often people want God to fulfill their life and their plan and make it all about them. And we find out that when life becomes all about you, it's the most unsatisfying life that there can be. But that's what our culture preaches. And that's what our culture says. We find significance in life when we realize that the story of you only makes sense within God's story. What is his big picture? When I first encountered the Enneagram over a year ago, it transformed my life. It transformed my marriage. I'm a better dad because I understand the people in my house better. I'm a better husband. I'm a better pastor. And I believe that if you take the time to get to know yourself and let God speak to you, he will transform and change your life. We're talking about the four today, the individualist. Everybody say individualist. There you go, individualist. If you're a parent here, let me beg you. If you have a little four that you're raising in your house, you need to listen to this sermon over and over and over again because sometimes when you're raising a little four in your house, you want to jump off a cliff. You don't understand what's going on with them. They have a pretty good idea of what's going on with them, but you might not. And I want you to know that you need to not do that. Don't jump off a cliff because they're special. They're unique. They're amazing. And I want you to hear me out. Don't you dare change a four. They are exactly the way that God has made them to be. They're special, they're amazing, and they're almost always misunderstood. So if you're a four, don't panic, because if you know your Bible, the character that we're going to look at in the Bible and God's word today that closely describes a four is a person who started off pretty well, but then ends in a blaze of glory and it didn't go so well. And you might get a little worried about thinking about why are we talking about that particular individual when we talk about a four? I don't want you fours to freak out because I think the person that we're going to talk about today gets a bad rap. He was an amazing individual who was thrust into an incredible position of leadership, but it was excruciatingly difficult for him. But because of his obedience to God, 
he actually transformed and changed the nation of Israel. Let me tell you who we're going to talk about today. If you're a four, we're going to talk about King Saul. King Saul. He's an amazing individual, and most of you know his story because it ends in a cloud of dust, and there's some emotional rants, and he tries throwing spears at people. But if you're a four, listen to me today, put down the spear. Don't throw your spears. I want you to listen that God has a wonderful plan for your life. He made you, you. Don't ever, ever let somebody tell you that you need to be different. Be who God has called you to be. In America, we kill fours. We eat them up. We spit them out. But we need them. They're amazing. And if you've got like a circle group and you've got a four in your circle group and you know how valuable that is. But if you're in a circle group and you don't have a four, you need to go find one because they're amazing. They can discover your feelings. If you're a three that we talked about last week, you don't know your feelings, but a four will know your feelings for you. They're deeply in touch with the feeling. In fact, it's so important because they're awesome. They oftentimes understand the heart of God. So let me pray today. Let's pray together. God, I want to thank you for all your gifts, all these different personality styles to Sun Grove Church, especially the fours. God, we're grateful for them. I pray that they would never be ashamed of who they are, who you've called them to be. God, I pray that they would embrace their uniqueness and that they would know their value because they listen to you in Jesus' name. And together we said, amen. If you have a Bible, turn with me to 1 Samuel chapter 10. Samuel was an amazing leader, but he was not a great dad. And let me tell you something, a lot of amazing leaders are not great dads. And so he raised up some idiot sons, and Israel was freaking out because Samuel's getting older and older, and they're looking at his sons and going, we love Samuel, but we're afraid of his family line. We don't want Samuel's family line. These boys, they don't know what's going on. They're, they're ridiculous, and so we don't want them. Samuel is upset that Israel is rejecting his family. And he's upset about what Israel keeps asking for. They keep asking for a king. So he goes before the Lord. This prophet Samuel goes before God. And God says this, listen to me. God says, give them what they want. The people want a king? Give them what they want. Be careful. Be careful when you go asking God again and again and again to just give you what you want. Because sometimes God just might give you what you want, even though it's not what you need. And you'll find yourself trapped with the very thing that you thought was bringing you significance, what you thought you wanted. God says, fine, enough. Give them what they want. Give them a king. They want a king, they can have a king. And so in your Bible, in 1 Samuel chapter 10, verse 17, it says, Samuel summoned the people of Israel to the Lord at Mitzpah and said to them, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says. I brought Israel up out of Egypt. I delivered you from the power of Egypt and all the kingdoms that oppressed you. But you have now rejected your God who saves you out of all your disasters and calamities. And you have said, no, appoint a king over us. So now present yourselves before the Lord by your tribes and clans. And when Samuel had all Israel come forward by tribes, the tribe of Benjamin was taken by Lot. And he brought forward the tribe of Benjamin, clan by clan, and Matri's clan was taken. And finally Saul, son of Kish, was taken. But when they looked for him, he was not to be found. So they inquired further of the Lord. 
has the man come here yet? And the Lord said, yes, he has hidden himself among the supplies. So they ran over and brought him out. And as he stood among the people, he was a head taller than any of the others. And Samuel said to all the people, do you see the man that the Lord has chosen? He says, there is no one like him among all the people. And then the people shouted, long live the what? Long live the king. Long live the king. The Lord brought the tribe of Benjamin, right? He brings his tribe forward, and the family was chosen. Finally, son, Saul of Kish, gets chosen among them, and the new king is, and they're all ready to applaud and do everything, and he's disappeared. They can't find him. And let me tell you something. If you're a four, that's what you do. You want to run away sometimes. You don't want to be thrust into a position of leadership. There's one person in the whole audience who does not want to be king. You know what his name is? Saul. He doesn't want to be king. Saul is hiding. And let me tell you this, if you're a four, you can hide from me, but you can't hide from God. You can't hide from God. He'll always find you. So the Lord replies, where's Saul, they ask. The Lord replies, he's hiding among all the backpacks. You know, when you go somewhere, maybe in your school or whatever, and you got to pile up all your backpacks. Maybe you travel somewhere, and you got to pile up all your luggage. Well, that's what's happened. All the nation of Israel has traveled to this one place, and there's a lot of luggage, and guess who's hiding among it? Saul is with all the backpacks. So God says he's right over there. He's right over there with all the luggage, all the stuff. And some of you think this. You think, I'll run away from God. I'm going to run away to college. I'm going to do whatever I want. Some of you think I'm going to run away to Vegas. Some of you are like, I'm going to run away to California. Or some of you, I'm going to run away, f- away from California and get out of California. Listen, God will, hide, will find you no matter where you hide. No matter where you run, God will always find you. You can't hide from God. You can't. You and your stuff and who God has created you to be, they go with you. Let me talk about the fours today. Fours are in touch with their emotions they cry. I don't know about if you guys know this, but I've got a little bit of a four in me. Uh, I'm a three, which we talked about last week, but I've got a little bit of a four in me, and, and, and I cry. Like, I'm thinking of my dad, and when I think of my dad, I'm pretty sure I saw my dad cry. Uh, I'm pretty sure he was crying at a couple funerals. I'm pretty sure it was actual tears and not just allergies. But me, I cry. I cry. If you don't believe me, just ask my kids. What will do? We go to a movie? And 15 minutes away from the end of the movie, they look over, and I'm crying. I'm, I'm so touched by the movie. I'm just, I'm crying, right? And like my, actually, my kids, they stop watching the movie, and they just watch me. There's dad. Dad's crying again. Dad's crying. I'm like, sorry. Come on. Like, I mean, listen. They'll be like, Dad, please, you've seen Ice Age a million times. And I'm like, come on. When the, when the saber-toothed tiger and the mammoth and the sloth, they return the baby to its human family? I mean, come on. Who are you people? That is touching. It's touching. Man, you might run away, but you can't hide from God. He always finds you. He'll always bring you back and fours are in touch with their emotions and Saul knew on the inside, man, I don't know about this. I don't know if I want to be the king. But the people are saying, hey man, you're our king, but he's trying to hide. And what does he say? 
The scriptures say that he stood head and shoulders. You thought that was about dandruff, but he stood head and shoulders above everybody else. He was taller than all the other Jewish people at the time. Like he looked like how a king should look and he looked like that and he was taller than anyone else. And listen, he stands head and shoulders above everybody else. And if you're a four, you always will. You always will. You're special. You're unique. You know why people are critical of people who are fours, who are individualists? Because they're envious of you and your gift and your uniqueness and your talent. You're different. You don't look like everybody else. You don't care to look like everybody else. You don't want to act like everybody else. You are you, and that's beautiful. This, the fours who God picked to be the king, the king of Israel. No one in Israel is like him. Nobody's like him. So listen, if you're a four, stop apologizing to people that you're not like them. You are you. Be you. This is who God picked to be his king, a guy who's a four. There's no one like him. And all the people shouted, long live the king, unless you read the next chapter. And welcome to leadership, if that's the case. If you read the Bible, leadership is always hard. It's always difficult. You know what the next chapter basically says? Not everybody liked him. Not everybody agrees, but welcome to leadership. When you read the Bible, you will realize that the people of Israel loved Saul. They loved him. He solidified the nation. He fought so many battles that stabilized them from all the people who were raiding them in their area. And he is a good leader. And when you read it, you realize they love him. In fact, when Saul had lost God's favor in the Old Testament, and God had raised up and anointed another leader named David, the people of Israel didn't follow David for 30 years because they loved Saul. They liked him. They saw him as God's first anointed. And to be fair, David didn't kill off Saul because he had a heart after God's own heart. And he recognized that Saul is the Lord's anointed and it's not my job to kill him. But listen, if you think the people didn't like Saul, it's not exactly accurate. They loved him. They loved him. But sometimes fours want to disappear, right? That's what they do. When the spotlight's on them, they're like, I'm out of here. Where's the luggage? They start looking for somewhere to hide. They don't want to be the center of attention. They want to be themselves. Write this down. The individualist reflects God's uniqueness. God's uniqueness. I want you to realize that God himself is unique. Listen to what God says to the Moses in the Old Testament. He says this. He says, there is no one like me in the entire earth. There's no one like me. See, fours never feel, if you're a four, you just never feel like you're supposed to be the one who's going to lead. And oftentimes, they're the only ones who can actually feel and sense what the heart of God actually is. Sometimes they can sense the direction of God and everybody else is going their own way. They're doing their own thing. They're doing all the things that they want to do. But a four will sense that, you know what, this is not the way that we should be going. I don't feel right about this. I'm not sure about this. And it doesn't feel right. Well, the fours reflect the uniqueness of God. See, the four doesn't want to win every time, but they want to feel like what they're doing matters. So if you're raising a four, they're not going to be interested in making a lot of money. They're not going to be interested in making a lot of money. It's not what they want to do. They don't compete over money. They don't want to do a bunch of things. And so what happens, they are, want to do something that matters. 
They don't care how much money it makes. They just want to know that it makes a difference. And so you're sending your four to college, and you're going to spend $200,000, and they're going to pick a career path once they graduate that makes 10 bucks an hour, but it makes a difference. It's making a difference in the world. Write this down. The individualist avoids being basic. What do they not want to be? They don't want to be basic. The four doesn't care about labels. They hate labels. You know, you might shop at Kohl's, or you might shop at Tilly's, or you may shop at Nordstrom's, but the four, they will weave their own clothes while on a spiritual trip to India. And they will say, listen, if you were in touch with your feelings, you would do the same thing. But you're not, so you don't. But the four says, I want to make a difference. I want my clothes to make a difference. And they're going to do something that matters. They don't want to be basic. They want to be an individualist. And we have to ask the question, okay, what then does the four focus on? Write this down. The individualist sees what's missing. They see what's missing. This is literally the the thorn in the four's flesh. Man, if you're a four, you have a hard time being happy. Because you're constantly focused on what's missing. What's wrong with the world? What's wrong with ourselves? What's wrong with your clothes? What's wrong with their status? They can be overwhelmed by all the wrongs in the world and feel all the feelings of all the wrongs in the world. They can be overwhelmed because they identify, they see what is missing in people, in society, in culture, and it can be overwhelming to their feelings. They struggle being satisfied. And if they're not careful they can really start to enjoy being kind of depressed, being kind of dark. And if you know the story of Saul, you'll know that it gets kind of dark for him. He gets a little depressed. As a matter of fact, they have to bring in a young guy to help calm him down. David comes in and he plays the harp when Saul is really depressed. And when he comes in and he plays the harp, what we find happens is it calms Saul down his spirit. The good music calms down his spirit. And so when he gets really, really troubled, really, really depressed, they bring in David and his musicianship, his music, his playing the harp makes Saul feel better. But Saul begins to focus on what's missing. What's the core sin of the four? Listen, by the way, if you're a four, get off Instagram. You know why? Because Instagram's called instant envy. Instant envy. Why? You don't look, I mean, you shouldn't look at it there because there's somebody on there who's more creative than you. Or you'll think, I've had this creative idea in my mind forever. And then you look on Instagram and you see somebody else doing the idea that you've had for all this time. There's always going to be somebody. If you look around our modern society, we're exposed to everything. So every idea, every unique thing you have, there's somebody else who's already doing it. The core sin of the four, if you're taking notes today, is envy. Envy. Why? Why? The four says, I want to be the most unique. Not just unique, I want to be the most unique, the most special. And guess what? You're unique and you're special. And if they see that in somebody else, they go, wow, I want to be unique. I want to be special. But you're unique and you're special and that's threatening to me. Have you looked around? You're not the only unique one. God has created other fours in the world. Uh, it was interesting, a four on our staff, when we took the Enneagram as a staff, a four on our staff said, you know, I was going to be a little upset if I wasn't the only four on staff. 
<laughs> so he ends up being a four, and he was relieved that on our whole staff, there was only one, right? Because they want to be the most unique. He would have been a little upset. He would have been like, well, I think I'm pretty unique, but now that you're a four, I'm going to have to hate you. you know, that's, that's kind of what a four thinks, right? It's what they begin to think. Because the core sin is envy. Listen, there are other fours. There's other people who are on a spiritual journey to India making their own clothes. It's not just you weaving your own clothes. There are other people who are like you. You say, I need to be the only one who's creative, the only individual, and there can't be anyone remotely like me because if there is, I have to hate them. Guess what happens in Saul's life? He becomes so preoccupied with a young man named David that Saul loses sight completely of who he is. He's got his eyes on somebody else and he's losing himself in the process. Can you relate to that? That you have your eyes on something or somebody else, but you're losing sight of the uniqueness in who God created you to be. So the underlying fear of the individualist is being unnoticed. being unnoticed. See, their fear is this, that nobody's going to see me. Nobody cares about how I feel. Nobody cares about what I think. Nobody cares about what I do. And oftentimes, fours, you're not actually going to be the valedictorian. You may not be interested in sports. You know what they're interested? They're interested in being themselves. They want to be who God has called them to be. That's who they're interested in. And if you love a four, you need to be interested in who they are too. You do. Saul saw the rise of David, and the Bible says, so from that time on, Saul kept a jealous, right, an envious eye on David. That's what Saul was doing. But whose eye should Saul have been upon? Should be God. He took his eyes off God, and he put them on the envy now of David, and that's what his eye was focused on. Listen to me carefully if you're a four. When God chose David to be king, this is what he said to King Saul. He said, Saul, I've chosen somebody else. I've anointed somebody else. And he said, I have found a man who's after my own heart. You know why he said that to Saul? Because Saul was after his own heart. That's what fours do. They're after their own emotions. They're, they're into their head. They're into their emotions. They're into everything they feel. You can be overwhelmed with your heart, your emotions, your feelings. You can become so consumed with how you feel that you actually lose your faith. Because you choose feelings which are changing and temporary over the solid ground of faith. Listen, if you're a four Sometimes you're ashamed of being ordinary. You think you're not special. What's tragic about this, that if you're a four, in America, there are simply fewer fours than any other number in the personality profile. You're automatically unique by being a four. God knows you're special. He knows that you are not ordinary. But that's the lie. The lie is that you're going to be ordinary. You're going to be like everybody else. Everybody's not going to notice you because you're just like everybody else. But don't believe the lie. What did... God say to Eve in the Garden of Eden. He said, who told you that you were naked? Who told you that you're naked? Let me ask this. Fours, who told you that you're ordinary? Who told you that you're not unique? Who told you that you go through life unnoticed? Please understand the source to God 
He knows you. He loves you. You are special. So you got to turn. You got to turn from being, I'm getting unnoticed and the victim side of that and say, God, you have made me wonderfully. God, I love you. You have made me complex. Your work is marvelous, God. I'm going to begin to understand and love me because I can't love my neighbor unless I understand and love me. So God, you made me unique. You have made me marvelous. You have made me special. Listen, when you call yourself worthless, you know what you're telling God? You're telling God, God, you made junk. And you know what? God doesn't make junk. He made you. And he made you unique. He made you special. He made you complex. And it is a beautiful, beautiful thing. Write this down. The individualist transformation is gratitude. Gratitude. The transformation you need to embrace if you're a four is being gra- grateful. It's gratitude. That's how you know when you're, really, if people are asking, you want to know how know you're, you to know how you're a four? You know you're probably a four when you wish you were somebody else. That's how you know. And God wants you to be grateful for who he's made you to be. Pray about it. See what God says. You're going to find, I think, that, that you're going to come out of that prayer time saying, God, thank you for making me, me. And whenever Saul, notice, this is to his favor, whenever Saul noticed a braver man, he what? He enlisted him. It's a beautiful thing. I mean, Saul looked at uniqueness. He looked at strengths. He looked at talents. And that's what a healthy four does. A healthy four will go, that person's really strong. That person's really talented. And I'm going to enlist them. I'm going to bring them close to me. I'm going to put them in leadership. I'm going to help them help the kingdom. He wasn't intimidated by it. That's what a healthy four does. Oh, you're gifted? Wow. We can do amazing things together for the kingdom of God. God will use your gifts. That's what a healthy four does. You say, wow, you're talented. I got to tell you, early on in ministry for me, in my first couple years, just starting out in ministry, God had to twist my heart because I would look around and see people who were a little bit more talented or a little bit better at certain things, and I'd want to put myself in comparison to them. And that's just a downward spiral. But God began to show me that you see talent not as competition, but you see it as a gift from God to use in his kingdom. And I began to unleash people to be who God created them to be. And that's what makes a strong team. That's what makes a strong staff. It's what makes a strong company. It's what makes a strong family. But if you're always trying to change the four to be something else, to be more like everybody else, you're denying their uniquenesses. You're denying their gifts. Listen, if you've met our staff, I want you to know here at Sun Grove, especially here, I'm speaking tonight to some of the youth, and I want you to know that our youth staff is amazing. Every one of them is amazing. Our church staff, they're all amazing. They're gifted, talented leaders. That's why they're here. They bring this unique giftness, and I want you to know that these guys are great. If you have the chance to meet these people, I mean, I just realized I don't have to know everything and I don't have to do everything. You wonder why? Because God didn't call me to be awesome. God called his church to be awesome. And it takes awesome, unique, creative, talented people to be that. And so God brings together a team of people and he puts them together to work through differences, to work in a way that makes them the kingdom of God. That's what he does. And I hope that for some of you young people in this room today, that there's a day that you look that maybe you work on a church staff, either here or somewhere else in the kingdom of God, because God has uniquely wired you to be you. It's awesome. 
just because you're a Christian, you might want to write this down. It's not on your notes. But just because you're a Christian doesn't mean you don't struggle with envy. Being a Christian somehow doesn't sanctify you from feeling feelings, and it doesn't sanctify you from experiencing temptation to sin. God's called you to be you, and when you bring value to the place where you're working, the place, the team that you play on, the family you are in, it makes all the difference in the world. So number seven on your outline, how do you need to be real with God? Write this down. You cannot be ruled by your emotions. You cannot be ruled by your emotions. You've got to let your emotions know their place. If you're a four, you've got to understand that you cannot be ruled by your emotions, but you need to bring your emotions into the big plan of God. That emotions have a place, but emotions have power and their front-sided power has a back-sided weaknesses. And so a four who feels things more deeply, I think, than everybody else needs to tell their emotions where they get off and where God's plan gets on. That's how they're not mastered by their emotions. Reminder, the story of you only makes sense within the big story of God. So on your outline, you've got some help because you might say, I'm not a four, but I work with one, or I'm not a four, but I live with one, or I'm raising one, or my best friend is one, or people at school or in my sports teams or other things, maybe they are. They're an individualist. I'm identifying that. And you'd ask the question, how do I love an individualist the way an individualist needs to be loved? Write this down. Number one, don't put them in a box. Appreciate how deeply they feel. Don't try to make them feel like everybody else. Appreciate that they're going to have an empathy and a heart that's different than other people. Appreciate that. Second, point out how their uniqueness has blessed you. How their uniqueness has blessed you. And you go to them and you say, this is how you have blessed my life. This is how you have lament and feelings for people in ways that I haven't understood. And you have softened my heart in so many ways. It's a beautiful thing. Number three, challenge them to feel but not be led by their feelings. You got to connect with your heart, but you need to do the next right thing. You need to follow God's commands even when you feel the worst feelings. You need to do the right thing. And number four, enjoy the ride. It's going to be fun. It's going to be fun. If you have a four and you're in conversation with a four, you will never know where the conversation's going, but it's going to be a good time. It can be all over the place. Why? Because they're unique. They're not going to think the same way. They're a creative. They're not going to think and act and process the same way as everybody else. So you're going to learn a lot of new things when you interact with a four. It's going to be fun. Fours, you got to say this. You need to pray this. God, help me to love myself the way that you do. Help me to see my giftedness and celebrate it instead of being jealous of others. Forrest, listen, you're amazing. You're absolutely amazing, and we're blessed to have them. But listen to me, Forrest. If you don't get control of your emotions, you're going to end up throwing spears at people that you love. And if you don't believe me, just read what King Saul did at the end of his life in the Bible. Will you pray with me? God, we thank you right now for your goodness to us. We thank you for the fours that they make us richer. God, we thank you for every person in this room because chances are we all know one and we love one. And today we're understanding better how to reach to 
and interact with the fours that you've given us in our lives. And I also understand in the room right now, there might be some of you who even right now, you've never received Jesus as Lord. You haven't understood that, that God loves you, that he died for your sin. And if today is the day that you'd like to invite Jesus into your heart, you pray something like this right after me. Just say, Jesus, today I give you me. I believe that you died on the cross for my sin. I believe that you rose and that you are God. I ask you to make me a new creation on the inside. God, would you forgive me of all my sin? Because today, Jesus, I give you me. And as we close, just heads bowed or eyes closed. But if that was you today, will you raise your hand? Anywhere around the room, you might be up in the loft, you might be down around the floor, but that today was the day that you raise your hand. If you're online, you might be online. You might want to send an email and just say, I made that decision. I made that decision for Jesus today. And believers in the room right now, we want you to know that the decision point for you today is, how are you going to love yourself like God does and stop comparing yourself with others? And so believers in the room today, I want you just for a moment to just tell God, God, I want to thank you for making me, me. I want to stop envying the people around me. And I don't want to see them as the competition. I want to see them as people that you created too. Father, we thank you for loving us. We thank you for caring for us the way that you do. We thank you that you created us and that you've designed us for great things, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We give it up for what God's doing in and through and among. Thank you for listening to the Sun Grove Podcast. For information on Sun Grove Church, visit our website at sungrove.org.